Hello, and welcome to another episode of Over the Rainbow, Achieving Mental Health for Real. Today we have a guest, uh, his name is Bradley Cousins. How you doing, Bradley? Oh, fun Yeah, <laughs> you're weathering the storm. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, um, uh, start off with I was born when I was very young, and, uh, as best I can figure, I've been suffering with this since around 10 years old, maybe 11 in that range. Um, I'm now 65, so it's been 55 years. And it took till I was about 40 years old to be diagnosed. Okay. Which uh, is unfortunate. There's a lot of hell I went through. I feel your pain. My wife and my kids went through because of it. Um, yeah, and then the only problem with the diagnosis is it was very depressing. What was the diagnosis? Just depression, anxiety? Yeah, that's part of the mix now that we know what we're dealing with. I've been suffering since about, about 10 years old. I've always had ADD, and I was very shy as a child. And then when I hit adolescence, I got OCD, and then... When I hit marriage, I got depression and anxiety from all the responsibilities, I guess, was part of it. So I'm hoping now that I'm retired, things will go a lot smoother. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Um, we're kind of semi-retired. We're in the process of winding down our cleaning business. And then a little virus came to town. and Yeah. Retired him. Yeah, that, that wiped wife out, huh? Yeah, that, that was a that's a big change. The bonus is we do have some pensions coming in, so so that helps. And, uh, yeah, we may have to make a few lifestyle changes financially. We've already reduced a lot of our expenses. I have to do the same thing as retirement. I'm I'm going down to like maybe a third of what I made. But uh I'm getting rid of my car, which was very expensive with the insurance. And I'm moving to Charleston, South Carolina, and I'm just going to Uber it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're thinking of going about the same route. Okay. As soon as we can get rid of one contract, um, unfortunately, we're using our office there for um, storage space, so two-bedroom apartment. It's going to be a little bit of a challenge, but... Um, yeah, it, it's been a it's been a ride. What 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 things are you doing about your depression? Are you taking medicine, counseling? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm taking those evil antidepressants. But no, I've been on medication for it's close to twenty years now. Can I ask you what you take? Oh, it's Prozac at the moment. It's twenty milligrams. Okay. Yeah, I take Paxil and. A litany of other drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I had to, there was a bit of a process. The first one I was on was, um, Zoloft. And mm-hmm. it worked too well. <laughs> At one point I became emotionally bulletproof. Okay. And I was, awake, I was awake for a week. Wow. Yeah. I, I just went on a medicine and pen, 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 pixel, I think it's called. And, uh, 
it it keeps me up. I I only sleep about five hours a night. Oh, well, this was like I was awake for a friggin' week. Yeah, so we had to quit that puppy. Then we tried um, Axel, and it I might as well have been eating a jelly bean. It didn't seem to work. Yeah, that's my my the drug of choice is Paxil. Yeah, and I mean it's good they got more than one. For a lot of us, we had a lot. Right. And then the Prozac seemed to do the job. Okay. Um, life situations can jack things up. Okay. Um, at the moment, being stuck inside, getting no exercise, I'm waiting for an electric light to show up. Well, you 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 can go outside, but well, I can go outside, yeah. but I can't go far because it hurts. Yeah, plus you're in a, a high risk, like myself. Yeah, I'm in in a second from the top. When I was 80 years old, I'd be at the top of the heap. Yeah. So when did you first notice that you had depression? What, you, you were saying 10 years old? Yeah, it would appear it was from about 10 years old, diagnosed like 30 years later. Do you have any uh, history of in your family? Um, not sure. Okay. I suspect my father may have suffered from it, but he was never diagnosed. Right, mine, mine um, too. Yeah, um, I've got uncles that I don't know whether there's a connection, but one of them was a alcoholic, big time. That that comes from depression. Yeah, I I got a feeling that if that's more of a uh, self medicating right. thing than an actual. Yeah. For a lot of people, I, I doubt it's for everybody, but. Yeah, if if you listen to any of my broadcasts, I always talk about self-medicating, that people choose that over regular medication way too much. So, so when did you first realize that you had depression or that it was called depression? Well, went to the doctor, and she did the um, blood test to find weight because it can mimic depression quite nicely. Mm-hmm. And I was off the book there and tried the antidepressants. And Work too, one was too hot, one was too cold, the other one was just right. Okay. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so we kind of went from there. But yeah, I was around 40. Do you go to any groups or, or any counseling at all? I have done counseling before. Um, yeah. Um, um, our doctor's office actually does counseling just across the hall. It's part of the same cluster, whatever you want to call it. And, um, all I have to do is anymore is just call the counseling people and I can get in there usually within, you know, four or five weeks. Sometimes a little yeah, quicker. You, you mentioned you had panic attacks as well. Can you I, describe that a little bit? Oh, yeah, I have had panic attacks. There's um, extremely rapid breathing. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to describe. It's nasty. It's a nasty, nasty. Yeah. Um, yeah, emotionally, extremely painful. What do you do for anything, or just wait till it goes away? Um, usually trying some breathing exercises. And when I accept the fact that A, this is a panic attack, B, not going to last forever, that seems to help reduce the grief. I used to be one. I wanted to be healthy, perfectly healthy. Right. Well, good, good luck if you got diabetes being perfectly healthy. You're sad. Oh, you have, di- no, you no, have diabetes? No, you have diabetes? 
No, oh. somebody else had it. I mean, I yeah. haven't heard of a diabetic turning that around or changing their mind. It's, they're, they're stuck with it until we find a way to fix it for life. It needs to be maintained. So I've got kind of like, I think of it as mental diabetes. Right. So my, my brain is not producing or overproducing or whatever. And same as a diabetic, the, the insulin's not working right. Well, my brain chemicals aren't quite right. So right. manage it. And I try and do a multi-pronged approach. Um, once my bicycle shows up, I'll be getting some exercise because I can ride till it hurts, turn around and come home and not have to pedal. So that's going to be a bonus. And um, That's good. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, when you run out of gas, you don't have to turn around and go home. You already that's there. true, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what terrifies me. Well, you do the exercise. That, that always helps the pressure. Yeah, yeah, that's one area I'm falling short in. It's too easy to sit indoors and do nothing. Have you ever tried going on the bicycle when you have the panic attack? Try to get rid of uh, it that way. I don't have the bicycle as of yet. It's on okay. It's not here. Because I interviewed another person that said that when they had a panic attack, they would just run for like five, five miles and it would go away. Also, uh, he said he, he said he uses cannabis, CBD, and it stops a panic attack as well. Now, I don't know if that's, there's any scientific proof in that, but. Yeah, well, there's, there's lots of things that we access that there's no scientific proof for, but it works. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, I've been meaning to try it. I don't get panic attacks per se. I get anxiety attacks. It's a little bit different. There's no heartbeat, no breathing. It's just, uh, it's hard to describe it. It just, I feel very bad. That's all. I mean, yeah. And it lasts for a while and then kind of goes away. Uh, when I'm tired, it, it happens more often. But right now I'm a, I'm in a pretty good state. Uh, this last medicine that they gave me, it, it helps a lot, and so I'm feeling pretty good, especially now that I'm retired. So yeah, yeah, I find working less helps. When we were running the cleaning business, by the time Friday came around, I was worth nothing. Wiped out. Yeah. Wiped out. I mean, things that would be about as annoying as a mosquito bite. Imagine an emotional mosquito bite. Well, it was more like a putting a cigarette out on your skin. It was emotionally that painful. Something that should have been, oh, it was like the end of the world. So I, I had to accept that by Friday night, I was going to be one jumpy, grumpy piece of crap. Grumpy old man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Grumpier. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, that's not much of an issue now. I get to sleep. Well, now you're under the pressure of, of making money, right? That's, that's there, there's be... a little bit of anxiety there, yes. I, we we can get by on our pensions. Um, okay. I'm hoping once this all tidies up, I can get back into the photography, start making some money with that. That's one of my passions. Yeah, I read that you do photography. Yeah, um, you do that professionally? I have attempted to on occasion. Um, Okay. 
and COVID thing kind of squished it for now. I was just in the process of building a portfolio and got one lady in for a shoot and then between her and the next one, all hell broke loose and that was the end of that, so. Well, that's something you can start up right away if you want, if you like, yeah. Yeah, so uh, you, your depression started when you were 10 and you were di- diagnosed with it when, how old were you when you were diagnosed with 40. depression? So I spent 30 years going through hell not knowing what it was. That's bad. Man. Yeah, and unfortunately my wife and my kids had to go through the Great Depression, mine. And, uh. Are you, do you like, kind of get angry and stuff is that um, uh, like a lot of people with depression or you know they at some point they just boil over and they start yelling and screaming but <clears throat> I don't know if you it, it, I have to be in a pretty rough state before I'll pop a cork and then when I do okay. it ain't pretty <laughs> so like so you don't take it out on your family at all I mean or no, not, not Are they a, before the yeah. diagnosis. Yeah, unfortunately, I did not know what was going on. I had no clue what was wrong with me. Nobody did. Right. After the diagnosis, right. I learned what was going on, and and these poor people didn't deserve the treatment they were getting. And I feel kind of bad about that. Kind of hard to go back and undo it, though. In what way did you treat them badly? Uh, just very volatile little things that annoy me and yeah I just wasn't a very pleasant fellow to live with some days it wasn't constant okay. but yeah same old thing yeah uh, when I was wore out and at the time I was working in a hospital kitchen and hated my freaking job yeah so when it was bad. time to go back to work you know like uh, you get a three-day weekend and Sunday night grr, <laughs> like, oh no it was, it was horrible, but uh, they did me a favor and fired me after I was diagnosed. Missed enough time. It was painful. They fired you because you were diagnosed, or well, after I was diagnosed and the medication knocked me out of the box for, and they found oh. they found out what was wrong with me. That didn't seem to help. They wanted some guarantee I wouldn't have any problems again. I don't know how the hell that works. You- yeah, that, you could have fought that, I think. I don't think they're allowed to do something like that. But. Uh, well, anyhow, I got fired from a hospital for being sick. What a pretty much was okay. that. It's nice. And they did me a favor. They really did. I wouldn't be here if I was still employed there. Does your wife work as well? Yeah, she was working at uh, Black & Decker in Brockville. And then uh, it proved out 1998. It took mm-hmm. everything stateside or Mexico or something. And um, so at that point, uh, I got on a program where you get, I think it was $200 a week to help you out while you develop your business. And that was good for a year. Uh, so we, um, with the severance package and so on, we put together our cleaning business and we ran that for 20 years until... We started to run out of gas and aches and pains slowed us down and then COVID was the last nail in the coffin, which it probably in the long run did me a favor because I would keep going. (laughs) I've got a bad habit of doing too much. 
But the place that you worked, uh, uh, was, did you own it or no? You rented it? Uh, our office we rented, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and our clients, most of them are closed. So the business is pretty much gone. That's too bad. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's kind of bittersweet. It's kind, of, it's nice to have a valid reason to say that enough is enough. Mm. Yeah. So you're both going to look for jobs now? Uh, your wife? I'm not sure what we're going to do in that department. Um, I mm. don't think we're going to look for jobs. We, we have enough pension coming in okay. to get by on. We won't, we won't be moving into the Ritz or driving rolls anytime soon, but you know, we'll keep plugging away with this vehicle until it craps out, and then I'm not sure we'll see where yeah. we are financially. Money's overrated anyway. So yeah. <laughs> that's what I Vehicles are a hell of an expense. Yeah. Getting rid of it is, is probably the best idea I ever had. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Maybe after a while I'll get itchy and <laughs> I stay in the house a lot. I don't do a lot. So I get delivery, grocery deliveries. Mm-hmm. I have a spinal condition that I have to I have a cane at this point. And it's very difficult to stand up and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. So it's even difficult because my feet get numb and it's hard to drive with numb feet. So Yeah. They're going to take another MRI to see if uh, they can do anything about it. But right now, my feet just get numb for no reason. And hmm. the longer I stand, the longer I stand on it, the worse it gets. Yeah. But oh, I'm sorry to hear that. It's nasty. Yeah, it's not. It's not good. But it's it's good to be not working because I hated my work. I think everyone that listens to this show realizes that. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, yeah, my father was a bit of a strange lad. He actually missed his work. He loved what he did. What did he do? Uh, he was a maintenance electrician out in Smith Falls at the Rito Regional Center. Um, mm-hmm. He actually was involved in the construction of the place and stayed employed there till he retired. Um, the running joke was uh, the reason they kept him on was so he could fix all his mistakes. <laughs> and um yeah I, he, he enjoyed his work he, yeah unlike my father's situation where he enjoyed his work um a lot of us don't he uh when he got to canada from great britain he helped build the reader regional center in smith falls and then stayed on as a maintenance electrician until he retired that type of event doesn't happen much anymore nowadays uh no yeah, so a lot of cool So he probably retired at a young age, right? Like 62 um, or something? He retired in his mid-60s, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Passed on when okay. he was 80, which was in 2005. But, yeah. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. Um, yeah, my, both my parents have passed, but um 62 myself, so. Yeah, same here. to be expected, Yeah. So what does the future look like? I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you state, I mean, let's say this virus thing goes away tomorrow. How would you, how would you, uh, rate your, your feelings and how you feel? Okay. So if, 
tomorrow we got the go ahead that everything's cleaned up, we're good to go, how would I feel? Yeah. That's the question. Okay. Um probably borderline ecstatic. Right. It would be so nice to now I I'm a bit of an introvert, but I'm kind of an outgoing introvert. I need to charge up, but then I need to go spend it. So um mm-hmm. let's say Debbie and I go to a party. In a couple hours, I'm ready to leave. She can party all weekend and come back charged up. Mm. <laughs> She's dead opposite of what I am. Very extroverted. You just have parties with your friends? Nope. I was just saying, if we went oh. to a party, in two hours, we're oh. done. And, uh, yeah, yeah go me too. But, um, yeah, I'd be rather excited to get back to putting our photography together. Because we don't need a lot of additional income to live comfortably. Yeah. I mean, we've already got the... So if, so if you got your photography done, would you say that, uh, like on a scale of 1 through 10, how do you think you would feel, um, you know, not right away, but once everything was going, uh, is, is most of the depression taken care of by the medicine? Uh, the medicine helps keep it at bay. Um, I have my ups and downs at the moment, to be expected. I mean, people without depression are kind of bummed by the situation. So um, I've accepted the fact that it could be a bumpy ride. And uh, but once this is all cleaned up and we're able to get going, I'll feel like I'm contributing, I guess is the word. I really don't want to retire. I'd like to be repurposed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if, so if I was if I was a tire, you want to cut a chunk off and, and turn me into footwear or something. But I don't want to just mm-hmm. I don't want to quit completely. But I want something I've got more control over. And the nice part of photography is it energizes me. And I that's great. And the beauty of the camera is I can be alone in a crowd with that thing because I now have a legitimate reason to ignore people. <laughs> it's it's beautiful. Yeah, it's like uh, Linus's little blankie there. That's See, my podcast keeps me busy. That's what I do. Uh, now that I'm retired, it's almost a full time job. So I I, I love it. Um, I have a couple more hobbies, but I I pretty much don't go out of the house. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I I have a problem with. Relationships, uh, I have ADHD. Okay. Really bad. Yeah, it's really bad. And people, I don't get along with most people for some reason because of that, I think. Uh, you really got to get to know me <laughs> to, to know, uh, that I'm not purposely cutting you off and doing all these things that people get annoyed with. My wife couldn't take it. She left. In 94, she was burnt out by it. You know, it was just, I just do a lot of things that people wonder why I do it because I'm a smart person, but I do dumb things. So that's, that's my main issue with, with relationships. Mm-hmm. But I do have some friends who accept me for who I am and, and that's good. And I usually talk to them on the phone. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They're from, I, I grew up in New Jersey, so they're all from New Jersey. 
Yeah, I haven't acclimated to, to this kind of life down here. My kids move, so I move, but I'm not a churchgoer, and that, that hurts me socially, I mm-hmm. think. Do, do, do you go to church at all? Uh, no, I personally, I guess the proper label for me would be atheist. I just have no use for religion. It hasn't done me any favors. Um, so mm-hmm. I kind of avoid it. And uh, yeah, I have like I have like a personal God kind of thing that I pray to a little bit, mm-hmm. and it's, it seems to help, uh, but. I don't believe in the afterlife or anything like that. I think it's probably something cosmic that I tap into a little bit sometimes. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and the thing is, it doesn't have to be fact or fiction for it to work. Right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Whatever works for you is awesome. Uh, what works for me is I just have no use for religion. I suspect that this is a one-shot deal. And uh, yeah. I got a funny feeling that uh, my if my afterlife is going to be as eventful as and as memorable as my before life, <laughs> there, there ain't one. Mm-hmm. Whereas my granddaughter's mm-hmm. way, eloquently put it, before I was born, I was dead. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, did did you did you have a uh, a good childhood? How was your childhood? Um, depends uh, who you compare it to, I guess. Um, I guess it was pretty good. Uh, like any childhood, your parents aren't perfect, but mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we grew up on it was like half an acre of land, we had two big gardens, we had a big yard to play in. You could go out, play on the swings, take your pocket knife, scrape the dirt off a carrot, chow down. You've always lived in Ontario? Yeah. Yeah. I was born and raised, born in Smith Falls, raised just outside. And, uh, okay. Moved to North Augusta, met a Brockville girl, and that's how I ended up in Brockville. Do you have children? Yeah. I've got two daughters and seven grandkids. Wow. Yeah. In the last. That's nice. I had four grandkids. Yeah, we had five, and then our youngest daughter got pregnant for twins. We now have seven. <laughs> wow, terrific. Yeah, she wasn't planning on that. It was a bit of a shock, but uh, <laughs> a bit of a surprise. I love, found it. I love kids. I get along with kids uh, for some reason. Just it's adults I have a problem with. <laughs> I hear you. I, I, a handful of years ago, I was volunteering at the YMCA as a martial arts instructor. Oh. And one, and, uh, one of the ladies came up to me and said, you're the first sensei that my daughter has ever spoken to. <laughs> and my response was, well, that's because we're both at the same level. <laughs> I'd rather be around children than adults. They're yeah. much more fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't have any ADD or anything like that, though, right? Not that I you know. Of? Not that I know of. Okay. I mean, the Lord knows what we've got going on, but um, yeah, yeah, I prefer 
the kiddies too, because there, there's just something about children that, that, that they energize you. Adults are just yeah, yeah, boring. Yeah. Can be yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the adults can be a little too childish. <laughs> exactly. That's, you hit it right on the head. That's the problem. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you're handling the crisis pretty well, or or you're not. You're getting a little more depressed. Or... Um, handling it, handling it actually pretty good. There is ups and downs. I expect those. I accept them. That helps. I when I, when I take a tour of the emotional sewer, I don't get all bent out of shape. But that's where I am. Mm-hmm. And it makes it easier to get through. I find acceptance. I mean, accepting the fact that this is the body I got. This is the way it functions. And this is how you maintain it. It, it just. So if, uh, before we close up, I, I usually do about a half hour. So, uh, is there anything that you would want to say about your depression and maybe give advice to somebody else? <laughs> advice wise? Be gentle with yourself. Accept the fact that uh, one of the things that annoys me most with society and Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Phil and so on is they seem to think there's only one emotion. <laughs> You're only supposed to be positive. I did time. And that just, no, we have emotions for a reason. With mental health issues, the emotions can get a little out of control and become more of a nuisance than useful. And people tell you, don't get angry, but amazingly enough, when I get angry, that's when things get done. There's a lot of energy in anger. Yes, there is. A ton. My daughter is a, a screamer. She has a lot of anxiety. Uh-huh. So she screams it. She screams it out. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just the adrenaline rush that you get. Yeah. When you're screaming or you're angry. It's because sometimes, uh, uh, you know, a depressed mind is a dead mind. You know, they, there. there's no stimuli. So when they do scream, like my daughter screams, mm-hmm. she gets a hit, of, a hit of adrenaline and it helps her anxiety. Yeah. And I've been trying to tell her that and trying to get her on medicine, but she goes on and off. So I don't know what's going to happen. I think if you can't, do it through counseling and all of that, groups and everything, you got to consider medicine. I think it, it's very important, and I think it works. It works for me. Yeah. And I would admit. And the thing is, we have to realize we're animals. Animals get angry. Actually, I um, yeah. I took a, a nasty tour a couple of years ago, and I just went, nothing. There was nothing. I was emotionally not there. So my yeah. wife took me to the hospital. And we did the thingy there and so on. A day or so later, the lady called me to see how I was doing. And uh, we had been sitting down at uh, downtown on the river there. And I said to Debbie, I've got this overwhelming desire to pound the shit out of somebody. You're angry. Yeah. And then I go, wow. That's an emotion. I'm getting better. I <laughs> oh, so there was a time where you just had, just was kind of not doing anything. 
you were apathetic or I was um, I guess the easiest way to describe it emotionally on pause there's nothing okay. just nothing and then when I had that's depression yeah. yeah and then when I had this overwhelming desire to pound the shit out of somebody and most people think that means I want to go to a bar and put somebody in the hospital no mm-hmm. it means I'd like to get together with one of my martial arts buddies and the two of us pound the crap out of each other <laughs> and it helps all right, um, you know, I have to end the show. Yep. Um, it was a pleasure talking to you. Um, I think you had some good insight that will help some people. That's my goal here is to hear people's stories and try to get uh, other people to relate to it and, and actually help them to recover if possible because I went through terrible, terrible depressions I mean, really big time depressions and I'm eventually gotten into a good place. And I think I like to think that everyone could do that, especially uh-huh. people that want to commit, you know, want to commit suicide. They, they, they don't see anything else, but there is yeah. a lot of help out there. If you yeah. seek it, there's a lot of help. Yeah. Okay. It's been great having you on the show and, um, you know, I appreciate your insight. And, uh, you know, if, if you have any questions and you'll, you can just let me know. It's, it sounds like you don't have anything to plug, uh, book wise. Do you, do you have a podcast? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, kind of about my journey in photography. I call it Prozac and Pixels. Okay. Yeah. What, <laughs> what sites is, is it on? Um, it's, all you got to do is Google Prozac and Pixels. It is through Anchor, okay. and it's available on, I think, six or seven other spots. Yeah, I think I've got to get back at it again. They go, they go to uh, Apple and Spotify, which are popular. But yeah. I had to submit mine to Stitcher and uh, Pandora. But. Okay, well, um, it's been nice talking to you, and uh, just stay on the line, but we're going to go up the air. Just uh, say goodbye okay. to the audience. Okay. <laughs> yep. Bye, folks. Thanks okay. for having me. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Bye. Okay. That was Bradley Cousins, and he has a podcast called Prozac and Pixels. Um, he had some good perspective on depression. Uh, not severe, but a normal depression that anyone can get. So, if you have any questions on today's episode, I'm at overtherainbowbob at gmail.com. You can also reach me on my Twitter site at overtherainonebow. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook under the name of overtherainbow, achieving mental health for real. So please go out and post and subscribe, and uh, we'll have another show for you soon. Love you guys. Take care.